Two weeks ago, I interviewed Eitan Gonen online from his home in Kfavradin, in northern Israel. We had first met a week prior, when I was invited to join a group of foreign diplomats serving in Israel on a trip to the northern front. The day we were there, Hezbollah bombarded the area with rockets, the largest attack up north since the war with Hamas broke out on October 7th. So, we never did make it to the border. Among the events that day was a meeting with a number of local mayors, and it was held in Kfavradim. Most of them were Arabs and Druze, living in villages in the Upper Galil region and the Golan Heights. Their camaraderie with one another showed the diplomats a very different reality from much of what they probably receive in briefings. But for the most part, Arabs and Jews coexist very well in Israel, and this conflict, with its savagery, has caused many Arab communities and citizens to be much more vocal about their identity as Israeli Arabs. When each mayor finished speaking, they walked over to Eitan Gonen, father of 23-year-old Romi Gonen, who has been held hostage by Hamas for 96 days on Thursday, January 11th, as I record this episode. Each mayor embraced Eitan. Long embraces. The mutual warmth and affection cannot be faked. Eitan spoke so movingly about his daughter and pleaded with the ambassadors to help bring Romy home. Last Saturday, the state of Tel Aviv put out a podcast featuring Mirav Leshem Gonen, Romy's mother. Formerly married, Mirav and Eitan share five children aged 16 to 30. Romy is smack in the middle. If you have not listened to my conversation with Mirav, I urge you to do so. Together, Eitan and Mirav provide such honest, heart-rending testimony, the unbearable agony of the parents. Today, we listen to the father tell of his torment since October 7th, 2023. I'm Vivian Berkovich, former Canadian ambassador to Israel, and now living in the magnificent state of Tel Aviv. Stay with us. Thank you so much for making time to speak with State of Tel Aviv on this Monday evening. Thank you, Vivian, for hosting me. It's the least we can do. So I'm going to jump right into our what we're going to be discussing. And your daughter, Romy, spelled with an I on the end, I made the mistake. <laughs> I did make the mistake, just so our listeners know. Um, so I <laughs> want to make sure everybody knows that. Your daughter, Romy, 23 years old, as you also described her when I heard you speak last week, the sandwich, the middle of five children. As you said, she walks into every room and lights it up. She has a spirit that is just indomitable and so beautiful. Tell us a bit about Romy. As you said, Romy is 23 years old and I have five kids. The elder daughter is 30 and then the second one is a son, 27. And then Romy, 23. And then Daria, 18 years old. And the last kid is Adam, 16 and a half years old. He's in high school now. I can describe Romy. I will describe her as the sunshine. 
wherever she enters, wherever she goes, she brings light and heat energy. I have numerous of videos proving that she goes and enters the, the party. The party is doubled with the energy. She will enter any room. Anyone will stop doing what he's doing and start listening to the high energy that entered the room. And Romy has a higher pitch of her voice. Right. So basically you stop doing everything that you do and start listening to Romy. And she enters the room and she takes care of about anyone. She, one of uh, her best virtues is that she wants everybody around her to be 100% good, happy, with the same energy she has. And it's a blessing for everyone. If me as a father and all her friends from high school or from work or wherever here in the neighborhood, when you ask them about Romy, wow, immediately they will have a very large smile on their faces and say, Romy is a, is one of a kind. And we miss her a lot, a lot. I can't imagine how much and your pain. Yeah. And she's also a dancer, your Romy, right? She is a professional dancer. She was dancing and she will continue dancing, but she learned to dance for more than 12 years. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. You've described Romy the person, but I can see the t-shirt you're wearing and I expect you wear every day, which has a photograph yeah. of yeah. her and she's beautiful on the outside as well. She went on October 7th, early in the morning or late at night on the 6th, to yeah. the Supernova Music Festival just uh, outside of Kibbutz Re'im, near yeah. the Gaza border. And I assume that, and I hope that she had a wonderful time before it became hell on earth. And I know that she went with her friend Gaia, yes, her best friend. And I know from hearing you speak previously, the really incredibly dramatic story, not just of what happened to Gaia and another young man, but Romy's survival. Yeah. Could you just tell us briefly about what happened? Basically, Gaia Khalifa is, was her soulmate. They met at the big trip in Israel. Every young guy or girl does a big trip to the east or to the west. And my Romy decided to go with the Gaia to the big trip for seven months to South America. And they did a wonderful time. We have hundreds or thousands of videos and pictures. And you need to know that Romy is also a kind of a clumsy girl. She stumbles on every, if there is a pole on the street, she will hit it. <laughs> if there is something in the ground, there's a hole in the ground, she'll stumble and fall. And while being in the, in, for seven months in, in uh, South America, she was hospitalized three times. Just falling from a bicycle, falling, having a trip with the bike. But we didn't, I didn't. I didn't take it so seriously because I knew Romy, she is such a thing, okay. But I was never worried during the whole seven months as I'm worried now, okay. This is the whole different story. 
Rumi is being kidnapped by the most vicious terrorist organization on earth. And we worry a lot. Okay. And basically on the 6th of October, we had a wedding in Tel Aviv and Romy should have been attending also. But on the last second, she was called to the, to work, to make a double shift and she didn't attend the wedding. And when we uh, left the wedding, I called Romy and said, okay, we are going back to the north where we live. We have a vacant seat in my car. Please join us. Guess what she told me? Hey dad, I'm sorry. I have a festival to attend at the evening. And I, so I was so happy for her going to another festival, another party to dance. Basically, Romy is a free spirit. She likes to dance. She likes to have fun. And she brings, as I told you, a lot of energy to every place. By the way, the, uh, in the restaurant she's working in Tel Aviv, there is a vacant table with a vacant seat with her picture on wow. the seat. And nobody can sit on this until Romy is back. Picked up Romy at late at night between the 6th and the 7th. And, and they headed south to the party, the festival, the Nova festival. And at 7.15 in the morning, and Saturday is a free day in Israel. So once you get a phone call on a free day, it's so early in the morning, it's never a good sign. So I woke up and I saw my daughter's name, Romy, the phone and said, Hey, why she's calling so early in the morning? And I answered the phone and she immediately told me that I've been shot. And I said, shot? Where are you? She said, okay, you don't know. I am in a festival in the South and there are rockets pouring from the sky and we don't know what to do. Tell, please tell her, tell me what to do. And I was half awake. And I told her, okay, you are open space or in a, a bush or under the trees or somewhere next to it. There's a village. She said, yes, there's a village here named Berry. And I said, you are with Gaia? And she said, yes. So please run for your life. Run to Berry. And you should know, Vivian, that there were thousands of people trying to call home at the same time. So the connection was very bad. So in order to complete even one sentence, we had a lot of hangups, I believe eight or nine times until I completed even one sentence. I was trying to call her and she was trying to call me and nothing worked. And finally, when I told her to run to Berry, they were hiding in a bush. She said, Dad, we cannot run to Berry because there are terrorists around us. I said, what? Terrorists? And then I woke up completely from bed. And I opened the TV and I saw terrorists in Sderot and Tivot and Ofakin, the cities in the south of Israel. Terrorists with uh, pickup uh, trucks, hundreds of them. I said, wow, we have been under attack. We're in a war. And the line was very bad. The connectivity with my daughter, Romy, was very bad. And then I heard that she's on the phone with her elder uh, sister, Yarden. Since 6.30 in the morning, when she first called Yarden, until 10.55, for four and a half hours, she was online with me, or Yarden, or Merav. It is difficult to imagine the chaos that engulfed Romy. 
One moment, she was dancing to groovy music in the desert with her best friend. The next, they were being pummeled by hundreds of rockets launched by Hamas. People ran for cover. No one would ever have imagined in their most horrific thoughts that a wave of Hamas terrorists would land among them, powered from the Gaza Strip by paragliders, and that every possible escape route from the festival's site would be blocked by Hamas terrorists who had arrived en masse more than a thousand, two thousand, three thousand. They came, the first wave, the most highly trained terrorists, in pickup trucks and on motorcycles, with machine guns, grenades, machetes, knives that were more like swords, that they would open up every car trunk, search every treetop, exposed concrete pipe, under every bush, in garbage dumpsters, that they would spray machine gun fire wildly and throw grenades into closed bomb shelters where they knew people were taking cover, that they would gang rape, mutilate, kidnap. But this was the hell in which Romy found herself and which her family heard on the telephone for more than four interminable hours. There was nowhere to hide. As it happens, had Romy managed to find her way to Be'eri, as Eitan had suggested, she might have been in a worse spot, if that's possible. Hamas devastated that kibbutz with such savagery and glee that it is simply too much. Romy's experience is enough for one podcast. When the Hamas attackers crossed into Israel, they met with no resistance. The army was nowhere. For eight hours at a minimum, much longer in some places, people huddled, hoping to escape the notice of the madmen. As Eitan mentions, the terrorists took control of the town of Sterot, home to 25,000 people, and massacred more than 20 police officers there. They also murdered many civilians. They also drove to Ofakim, 26 kilometers from the border, with a population of approximately 30,000. The toll in both cities was horrific, and the carnage unbearable. Now, back to Eitan, reliving that dreadful morning, October 7th. She and Gaia were running from one bush to another. And the shots were came, coming closer and closer all the time. When we could hear the shots, the bullets flying over the heads. And in one stage, they, uh, she was on the phone with Yorden. She told Yorden, please be quiet. I can hear them next to me. Don't say any words. And I will not say any word for several seconds. And then Gaia sent the location of their bush where they are hiding to Ben Shimoni. Ben Shimoni is a co-worker with her, and he was attending also the, the festival. She didn't know where Ben is, and apparently he did already twice the travel between uh, the party and Be'er Sheva, rescuing 12 people. And when he got wow. a location from Gaia, he was already in Be'er Sheva, and he told Gaia she, he's going to come back the third time to the party. 
And after a few seconds, when the terrorists were came very close to the, uh, the bush, they were hiding. She sent to Ben another message. Please do not come. Please do not come. We are under attack, severe attack, and we are afraid you are going to be shot. And he said, no, I'm coming back to rescue them, to rescue you and Romy. And he did. I don't know how. He came with his car. Don't know how. He came to the exact bush. And it was 10.15 in the morning. And I got another phone call from Romy, my Romy, saying, Dad, you don't believe it, but somebody came and rescued us. We are in a car and we are heading out from the party. And I was asking her, how come you know how to head out from the, car, from the party? She said to me, this guy, Ben, did it already twice. I said, oh, wow. And it's like a big rock was from my chest down to earth. Okay. I was very relieved. And on the way out from the party, they stopped for a hitchhiker, a party member, because there was chaos over there. Chaos. People running all directions. And after a few minutes, terrorists ambushed the car. And you can imagine how many bullets hit the car immediately. And this was online while Romy was speaking with her wow. mother on the phone. Unfortunately, Ben and Gaia were murdered immediately. The hitchhiker named Ophir Tsarfati was severely wounded, but nobody knew his name because he was a hitchhiker. So he started shouting. He saw Romy on the phone. So he shouted, my name is Ophir Tsarfati. Please contact my mother. Because he knew that he was severely wounded. And my Romy was injured by a gunshot in the hand while checking the pulse of Gaia was sitting next to before her. And then, and this was online with Merav on the phone. And after a few minutes, Romy didn't answer to, to Merav. Finally, the last seconds of the conversation were in Arabic. We heard the terrorist coming to the car, saying something in Arabic, and then the phone went dead. Do you know what they were saying? She is alive. Let's take her. They took Ophir also, Ophir Tsarfati, with them. And a few weeks later, the IDF found his body in Gaza. And they brought the body back to Israel. So three, three out of four in the same car were murdered. Rome is the only one that's still alive. Based on the information we have one month ago, since then we don't have any information about her. At the point where they were ambushed in the car, do you know exactly where that was? I don't know exactly where it is, but I know that the brother of Ben Shimoni, had, he, he published a picture of the car, and the car was severely hit by bullets, and the car was facing the, the, the opposite direction even. Oh. It means like the, the driver tried to avoid the bullets in some manner, but we don't know because Rome is not here still and she will be here. And once Romy will be here, we could, we can learn a lot of what happened since 10.15 when she got on the car until 10.55 when she was kidnapped, wounded, severely wounded in the hand. 
And that was by a gunshot, as you said, when she was yeah. checking Gaia's yeah. pulse. Was yeah. it her right? Yeah. She was wounded in her right hand? Yeah. And I know yeah. you said that you've since received information that her hand basically is not really, she's not able to use it at all. The hand is not functioning at all. And basically, Romy is using some outdated bandages from 2016, like seven, eight years ago, outdated bandages just to every two or three days to replace the old bandages with the new ones. So she's basically mistreated. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to the day when she's clearly taken by Hamas. Your ex-wife, Merav, hears the terrorists saying, let's take her. She's alive. Yeah. Obviously, they take her into Gaza. And that's the morning of October 7th. Yeah. The whole country, and I dare say the whole world, is in a state of shock. And there's this tremendous fog, uncertainty, chaos. Yeah. We hear nothing from the government in Israel. We hear nothing from the army. And there you are, a parent whose yeah. child has been caught in the middle of this indescribable horror. And you hear nothing or have no confirmation, sign of life, that she's alive until when? For 16 days and nights, Romy was missing. I don't know how to describe this. When your daughter is missing. So basically, until the 7th of October, I knew that there are two statuses of life. Once you, or you are dead or you are alive. October 7th, there is another status. It's unknown. Nobody can tell you if your daughter is alive or dead. Or where is she at all? 16 nights and 16 days. Only on the day, the 17th day, the army came and then declared Romy as a steel. We don't know if she is alive or dead. So the yeah. army actually came to your home and said, we, yeah. we have reason to believe, which I'm sure they shared with you. They don't they... share. They don't. Okay. They just tell you the conclusion that they have based on some information that they are sure that Rome was kidnapped. And I just want to, again, make clear to any listeners, in that period, that 16-day period, what was going on in Israel was indescribable because yeah. there were so many people who had just disappeared. 3,000. Many of the people who had been murdered on that day in horrible ways, were it took weeks to identify remains. Yes. And so people like you, Eitan, are sitting there, your loved one, you have no idea. All you know is something terrible has happened. And you're waiting with waiting in this agony. So at 16 days, the army says, we have reason to believe she's alive. I'm sure that's something of a relief. Not much. Exactly. I was relieved to hear that my daughter was kidnapped by the most horrific terrorist organization on earth. Believe it or not. I just got it's shivers. A, it's a relief because now I know, I don't know if she is alive or dead, but I know she's not somewhere in the woods or under some kind of a car or burned or whatever, because for 16 days and nights, we heard a lot of unimaginable stories, what happened in the Otef, Otef Aza. The People Otef Aza, of course, being the area close to the Gaza Strip. It's yeah. the kind of 
the Gaza envelope in, in English. Yeah. Are you concerned with what is going on in Israel? This is not just another crisis. State of Tel Aviv is committed to delivering superb and candid analysis, and we're offering a limited-time subscription special, a 33% discount from the regular fee of $90 annually, one year for only $60. Stay informed and stay connected with State of Tel Aviv. We are a reader-supported enterprise. If you value our work, please subscribe. It makes a huge difference. Stateoftelaviv.com. All one word. Now, back to the podcast. The news, basically, we, one day after the Black Sabbath, we call it, on the 8th of October, we decided two things. One is to unplug the TV. We don't want to see any more TV. And the second one, which is the most hard to do, but we, I, I told myself, I'm not going to be any, anymore and I'm not going to be judgmental anymore until Romy is back home. I have so many reasons to be angry at my army, the IDF. I have so many reasons to be angry and judgmental about our leaders. And I decided to do the opposite. I'm not going to be angry and not judgmental anymore and not listen to any news. I'm the only one that supplies me or gives me the the news is the officer, the representative officer from the IDF. He's the only authentic guy that can tell me the truth, whether I like it or not, but this is the truth. If I listen to the news, it's 99 bullshit, 99% bullshit. That was very smart of you to make both of those decisions. Yeah. And as someone who lives in Israel, I know how completely obsessed this country is with the news. But yeah. at a time like this, and I don't have the terrible involvement with this event that you do, having a loved one in captivity, but I also didn't watch the news. Um, and I hardly do now, but yeah. I didn't watch it at all for two months. It was just, there's no point. The, the To me, that sounds almost like the easier decision to yeah. let go of the anger with respect to the Vivian, when I tell this to, IDF the, to and all, the government, all my friends, yeah. they say, wow, it's so logical to do this, but nobody does it. It's brilliant, but you've saved yeah. yourself a lot of um, pain. Okay. When I see the news, immediately feel agony and demoralization. I need to focus on warming. We, yeah. have, we are, have a, like a saying here that we are all working in Romy company, LTD, okay? Romy LTD, because we all stopped what we are doing for 87 days, and we are focusing on bringing Romy back home alive and now. And this is the number one target for all of us. So at some point in the last 87 days, you did learn concrete information about Romy, her condition, where she has been kept or had been kept up until that point. Are you able to share any of that with the listeners? Yes. On the 17 days, we knew that she, Romy is kidnapped, was kidnapped, okay? So from day 17 until day 57, for 40 days, no information. On the days 57, if you remember, some 
kidnappings were returned to Israel starting from day 55 or 54. And we started hearing some rumors that the ones that came back to Israel, some of them saw Romy. Yeah. And there was like a rumor, like a hint. It was not a clear information. Basically, the hostages that came back were not available for us for many days because they were running a routine checkup by right. the Shabak, the uh, physician, many people from the IDF, Shabak, hospital, and many others needed to check them. Okay, mentally, what is their mental status? But they are starting speaking to each other. Okay. Every day, 10 more people. If you remember, it was seven, eight days in a row. Yes. Each day was 10 people, where there were 10 people released. Basically, Israel succeeded releasing 80 people. 80 people were released, and we started hearing some rumors about people meeting Romy alive in the tunnel. And this was a very good sign for us. But if we are now 87, so it's, it means that 30 days since then, no information. Again, another 30 days. And we're still looking for some information. What did you learn after fifty days in the week or two following? What did you learn concretely about your Romy? That Romy is severely wounded in the hand. Basically, there's a sign of uh, surgery on the hand. The hand is not functioning at all, and the fingers are changing their color all the time. So it means that there is no sufficient blood circulation, and we are very worried about this hand, the right hand. This is physically, and mentally, we don't know anything. We know Romy is a strong person. Okay, we know this, and we know that as long that they are not molesting her, or they are, as long as they are not beating her or doing some horrific things to her, she will handle this situation, okay? We know the personality of Romy and we know she's a strong person. She can handle this situation better than others. But still, this doesn't mean anything. We don't know anything besides the wound on the right hand and that she was alive 30 days ago. So you don't know if she was held in isolation separate from other hostages or if she was with other hostages in captivity? The people that came back, returned to Israel from the same tunnel, told us that there are several people in the same tunnel that were kidnapped from Israel, okay? Romy is not the only one. How many of them? We don't know exactly. You should, you should imagine that the tunnels are not... One tunnel and that's all. They are like a spider web of tunnels over there. That's exactly so, how one the first hostage who was released, or one of the first, the elderly woman. That's exactly how she described it. You don't know if you have another hostage ten meters behind you, because this like a different tunnel, right. or it's like we don't know. It's a different level. Some of the tunnels are lower than the others, or higher than the others, or. On the back of the tunnel of Romy, we don't know. We just we can just imagine, but it's a spider web channel, tunnel. Sorry. So here we are on day eighty-seven of an agony, and really a torture that I don't think 
anyone can relate to if they have never gone through it. And you have somehow managed through these smart decisions you've made, very rational decisions, but you are a husband, you are a father to five children, and four of them are going through this with you, waiting for their sister to come home. I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, and I'm sorry to ask you this again, but how do you feel? What gives you the power to carry on and to do what you do every day? It's very simple. We are convinced that Romy is coming back alive. And we are doing whatever we can to make sure that it it will happen ASAP. But based on the fact that we are a very optimistic family, we are a strong family, we support each other, and we are here. And for each one that is slightly down for several minutes, we support him and we can laugh, okay? We don't have fun, but we can laugh. We have our own jokes on this occasion, but we worry a lot because another day, it's been 13 weekends without my daughter, 87 days. And each day, the time is running out for them. Romy didn't do anything bad to anyone on earth, nothing. She is not a soldier. She is like any other civilian going to a party. And our leaders that failed on the October 7th, they need to bring us back, my Romy and the rest, immediately. We don't care how. We are not in a, like an army general or admiral or something. We don't know about the army. We don't know about uh, any politics. I'm a father and we have a family, a beautiful family here. And all we care is that Romy is back home, safe, alive. We will take care about her later. I want to say, Eitan, because you mentioned how you're strong and you pull together and there's always somebody kind of supporting the other. And I had the opportunity to spend some time with the whole family in Tel Aviv on the weekend. And I came home to my daughter, who's 26. And I mentioned to you that both my children, who are 26 and 30, have for some reason become very drawn to this Romy yeah. who I've been hearing about for 87 days. And I came home to my 26-year-old and she said, what were they like? I said, it was normal. What did they talk about? And I said, just stuff. Oh, can I have a drink or where are you going? And she asked me, do they talk about her? I said, her name came up all the time. But it was, yeah. just, it was just felt very normal. Not normal. Yeah. We're all there and we all know why we're there. Based, so based on the occasion very, and the yeah. circumstances, yes. We are not gr- griefing, sorry. We are not mourning, of course. We are taking care. As I said, we are working in a, in a company named Romy LTD. We do whatever we can to make sure that Romy is back home, alive, soon. You had stated at the beginning of our conversation that kind of life stopped. All you've done for 87 days is focused on bringing Romy home. But at some point, the younger kids went back to school. No? Only the youngest. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So your son, Adam, Adam. is in school. You're not working throughout this whole period? The first 40 days, I was not working at all. Zero. Wow. Yeah. 
own step by step. I return working for one hour, two hours, three hours, and then half a day. And still I'm not working for a full day. And my mind is not focused and I'm not sharp. And my memory is not functioning. I, basically, Vivian, my brain is like in a unique mode that I'm not familiar with. I'm 55 years old. I never, I could not believe that my brain will move to a danger mode or something like that. My brain functions very strange even. My memory is not so good. My logic is not perfect. I'm not sharp as I did, as I was. Are you able to sleep? For the first one month, I believe I woke up, believe it or not, mm -hmm. between 4 and 4.10. For 40, more or less 40 nights. Couldn't get some sleep. And I went to sleep by force even. I went after midnight because I decided I want some rest. But my mind was, was not giving me any rest. I was sleeping for three, maximum four hours a night. And it's amazing. I lost weight. I lost weight a lot. So throughout this traumatic period that you and your family have been going through, have you found yourself making connections with other hostage families, other yeah. people in a similar situation? And has that been helpful for you? As long as the other hostages' uh, families are strong as we are, if the other uh, families are they are not uh, into the fact to, to support each other. They are like, they want to be on their own, want to be like a, not a bigger family. Like they want to be uh, with their own trouble in their own homes. Okay, we cannot reach them because they right. want to be a part of oppressed. But in the Kikar, in the square of the right. hostages in Tel Aviv, you can find at least 20 families, all the, the same families, all the time. It's an extraordinary yeah. community. I live very close, yeah. and so I've been there quite a bit, just observing and walking around and talking to people. And I've written about it quite a bit. It's, it's extraordinary what's developed, and it's wonderful. Yeah, and it's very helpful. And that's the best thing to hear that. Eitan, is there anything that you'd like to say to people who are listening who are supportive, is there anything people can do that would be helpful? One thing is to pray. I'm not a religious guy and we are not a religious family, but we started praying since October 7th, okay? We know that prayers are helpful and I, and I ask everybody to pray for Romy to be safe back and safe home. And the other thing is to talk with your leaders. Everyone should talk with the, and the next leader and to make the most important topic on earth is to bring them home now. All the kidnappers should come back to their families as soon as possible. They're, they they do not have any time left. Some of them are very sick. My Romy is wounded in the hand, but she has other diseases. She's suffering before the party even. And she needs a doctor to take care of her, about her. And all the elderly people, they need some medicine. They need oxygen. Ever try to contact the uh, Red Cross? I'm just curious. Me personally, no, but my daughter, she had a meeting with the president of the Red Cross in, the, in New York. 
Vivian, I don't call them Red Cross. I call them the Black Cross. For me, they are as a taxi driver. Whoever back from the tunnels in Gaza said that the Red Cross people were only the taxi drivers. That's all. They didn't do anything else to make sure the kidnappers are well treated. Nothing. They didn't visit even one of one. My daughter is being held kidnapped for 87 days and she didn't see even one Red Cross representative until now. And I believe she will not see one of them until she will be released. It's outrageous. It is. And I just think, though, that I would add a third task to your impossible list of tasks, and that would be to hold back on the Red Cross because we still need taxi drivers to bring them out when Hamas releases them. So we want to make sure that Uber is still up and running. Yes. Basically, what we need from our leaders, the local leaders or from our friends or whoever listens to this podcast or just make sure that your leader, if it's a senator, if it's here in Israel, a mayor or whoever listens to this interview and make sure that they talk to their leaders and put an impact on the decision makers to make the release of this, of the all of the hostages, the top priority. Amen. We will not have nation, as a nation, the Israeli nation could not continue as a nation without bringing them home now, all of them. It's a terrible psychological blow to this country that exists yes. fundamentally. Primarily, the core reason for this country to be here is to protect our physical safety. And I know we don't want to get into our leadership, but I just want to make that point, amplify that point for people who may not be living in Israel and understand just how lethal a psychological blow the hostage crisis has been and, frankly, brilliantly planned and executed by Hamas leader. But that's for another day. I want to leave on a positive note. I hope, I will pray. I'm not religious either, but I'll give everything I've got to do what I can for Romy and all the other hostages still in Gaza. And I hope she's home very soon. And I'll come to you in a few months and we'll have a much different and more joyful conversation. Thank you so much, Romy Eitan. is not my daughter. It's everybody's daughter. She has become that. Everybody. She, yeah. It's everybody's daughter. She's not only my daughter, she's everybody's daughter. And everybody share, should take... You're going to have to share her then. Yeah. Once she's back. Thank you so much for taking the time, and not just the time, but for going through this emotionally and telling your story yet again. Because I know it's probably excruciating every single time, but I don't have to tell you how important it is. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you take a look at the photos we posted with this podcast, there is one of Romy as a full-length banner on a building in Tel Aviv. The other is a table that has been set at the restaurant where she worked, which happens to be around the corner from where I live and is called, coincidentally, Shea Vivi. The table is set at the entrance to the patio, with a chair for Romy. 
and a poster of her in her place. And it will remain there. Now, a short note on the podcast dropped last week with Yaakov Katz. A listener contacted me to express strong disagreement and displeasure with a comment I made during that interview, which he felt could be understood to mean that certain sectors of Israeli society seem less concerned with the hostage plight than others. In particular, I had mentioned that I had spent some time with a group of religious Zionist friends, and we discussed the fact that it was not as looming an issue in their community, the hostage issue. The person who contacted me took strong offense. I understand how and why the comment could be perceived to be hurtful, if stated with malice, but it was not. I was reflecting a discussion I had been a part of and which, frankly, shocked me. Having said that, I would not want my comment to be understood to mean that every person identifying as religious Zionist and or religious nationalist would agree with the opinions I heard and reported. I would like to assure my listeners that that was not my intention, and I apologize if that's how it was perceived. And I understand that when dealing with such a sensitive topic, that my words could and should have been more carefully chosen. I own that and apologize. Thanks again for listening. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the State of Tel Aviv and Beyond podcast. We'll keep the dispatches coming as frequently as we can. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment, rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can check out our full library of articles and podcasts at our website, stateoftelaviv.com. State of Tel Aviv is an independent media venture, and we rely on subscribers to support our work. If you are not yet a paying subscriber, please consider taking the plunge today. Each person really does make a huge difference, especially in these very challenging times in Israel. It is important that you stay informed and current and seek out a range of perspectives. This is a pivotal moment in Israeli history. It is not a time to be passive and disengaged. Thanks for sticking with me to the end. I'm Vivian Berkovich, signing off from deep inside the state of Tel Aviv. <laughs>